Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Thinking about your Medicare prescriptions? Well, Walgreens is here to help you get back to it with convenient refill and pickup options, expert pharmacists to answer all your questions, and Medicare co-pays as low as zero dollars. Zero which is also the number of cares in the world you'll have as you stroll the beach, eating cookies, and speaking French. Oh, la, la. Walgreens. $0 copays apply to Tier 1 generic drugs and select plans where Walgreens is a preferred pharmacy. My suit can still make an impression. And my lamp can bring others a bright future. Because when I donate my stuff to Goodwill, it helps fund job placement and training for people right in my community. Goodwill. Donate stuff. Create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. Brought to you by Goodwill and the Ad Council. Home of the Rush Limbaugh Show in Acadiana. News Talk 96.5 KPEL. Brobridge. Lafayette. News Talk 96.5 KPEL. Welcome back to Implicit Bias. Thanks for listening to us today. I'm Kavon Bordelon. We have a great panel in for you today. A new guest will be joining us shortly in just a second. One of our implicit biases, one of the things that we like just because we like it as we attempt to solve the problems of the world in roughly 52 minutes, are old sayings. A lot of times those old sayings, they are rooted in history and those old sayings stick around for a reason because they are incredibly important. One of the easy old sayings, oh, I'm going to ride shotgun, right? That statement is derived from the old days of stagecoaches. Back when they would carry money, they'd carry payroll, they'd carry gold, which meant that they were prime for people who were trying to rob them. So the person who sat next to the man driving the stagecoach, guess what he carried? He carried a shotgun. He was protection. So riding shotgun at the time meant riding next to the driver. Today, riding shotgun just means front passenger seat. Not a lot of people always remember where the phrase derived from. Another good one, turn a blind eye. This one actually comes from the History Channel. The phrase turn a blind eye used to refer to a willful refusal to acknowledge a particular reality. Now, we're going to delve into that in a moment, but let's get where it came from. It dates back to a legendary chapter in the career of British naval hero Horatio Nelson. During the 1801 Battle of Copenhagen, Nelson's ships pitted against a large Danish-Norwegian fleet when his more conservative superior officer flagged him to withdraw the one-eyed Nelson supposedly brought his telescope to the bad eye and blindly proclaimed, I really don't see the signal. He went on to score a decisive victory. Some historians have since maybe dismissed the famous quip, but the phrase still persists. Turn a blind eye. It's always interesting to find out where these come from. Some of them, we may not necessarily know where they come from, but they're all that important nonetheless. One that does absolutely fit our implicit bias is having the ability to look at oneself in the mirror. The premise of it is absolutely agreeable here that you must, at the end of the day, the beginning of the day, look at yourself in the mirror and live with what you see. Now, that implies that you are absolutely happy with the reflection of who and what you are. 
But there's also the convex of that statement, which is that maybe we should look in the mirror and see what we're not happy with. Because by understanding what we're not happy with, we have the opportunity to maybe avoid some pitfalls. There's a book, Strength Finders, that says find what you're good at and pursue it. But there's also the inverse, which is know your weaknesses so that you can better protect against the pitfalls. Sun Tzu's Art of War, know thy enemy, know thyself, right? Assess who and what you are and make the changes accordingly. But therein lies the key. Just being able to look in the mirror and live with who you are, that is outstanding. But the true assessment and then making the changes, that's how we grow. That's how we get better. That's how we avoid potential pitfalls. For example, there's a story making the rounds on social media of a young lady who today is terribly upset when she maybe could have self-assessed and avoided the pitfalls. How could she have done it? Well, she's terribly upset because her husband in the last week was put out of a job. See, he worked on the Keystone Pipeline. And we're not going to get into the politics of why we should or should not have the Keystone Pipeline. What you know is that today, the Keystone Pipeline, it's no longer a project. But we knew this would be the case. We were told this would be the case. This young lady, because of her emotions, decided that she was going to vote against the candidate who supported her husband's job. Today, she's terribly upset because the person she voted for did exactly what he said he was going to do. Now, once again, we're not tied up in the politics. We're simply focused on the fact that there was an opportunity to look in the mirror, understand the strengths and the weaknesses of your own individuality. And instead, what ended up happening is that that young lady ended up voting against the interest of feeding her family. And today, that's regrettable. We hope that things work out for her. We wish the best for everyone. We hope that things work out for everybody. Unfortunately, things don't always work out for us. And sometimes we have to learn the hard way. If we can't self-assess, that's usually what happens. We learn the hard way. We hope to not learn the hard way when it comes to our weekly whiskey. We have a first here on Implicit Bias, the first bottle of port barrel finish here in the podcast lair with Sam Stokes sitting over in the corner. As we get set to walk down the rabbit hole of self-assessment, how we can potentially avoid pitfalls, how we can potentially benefit from understanding our weaknesses, and maybe finding some new weaknesses of our own as we sample our weekly whiskey. Listen Bias, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Are you buying a home, selling a home? Don't do it alone. Let me, Debbie Green, help. Whether you're upgrading, building a new home, looking for investment properties or rentals, we'll give you the resources of a full solution real estate team who can help you get the best deal. Ask about free home staging on my Facebook page under Debbie Green Realtor, on the web at AcadianaHomeTeam.com, or email directly at DebbieGreen at LadderBloom.com. That's D-E-B-B-I-E-G-R-E-E-N-E at LadderBloom.com. Get top dollar with Debbie Green, the selling machine. Nobody likes to drive around in a grimy ride. Clean that car the Cajun way. Zydeco Ride and Shine Car Wash at 320 Willow and Cajun Car Wash at 510 Lafayette Street in Youngsville are there for you. Our facilities provide you with the best automatic car wash in the Acadiana area. Regulars get a bonus. 
Buy three washes at a location. Get the fourth one free. Zydeco Ride and Shine and Cajun Car Wash. Keeping Acadiana's rides clean since 2014. Men want to look like men. That means when it's time for a fresh cut, men go where men go. All-American Barbering. Licensed barber Nick Duplashan and the staff at All-American Barbering do it right. From old school haircuts to straight razor shaves to beard trim and shaping. Even boys look like men after a cut from All-American Barbering. A veteran-owned business, All-American Barbering is located in Broussard at 807 Albertsons Parkway, Suite B. Schedule your appointment to look like a man at their website, allamericanbarbering.com. Remember, men, when you want to look like a man, go to Broussard. Go to All-American Barbering. Hello. My name is Rene Girard. I'm Acadiana Certified Master Tobacconist. Piper's Haven is at 3916 West Congress Street. We are located between Adrian's and Gilbo Road, and we have thousands of cigars in our 553-square-foot humidor. Everything you need to go with your cigars can be found at Piper's Haven at 3916 West Congress Street, including cigar cutters, humidors, lighters, pipes, pipe tobacco, meerschaum pipes, briar pipes, pipe tools, pipe stands, pocket knives and hunting knives, and we also provide knife sharpening. We also have a complete selection of Lamberger lamps and scents for that woman that's tired of the smell of cigar smoke. Just buy her something nice, and she will appreciate it a lot more. If you need a place to relax and smoke a cigar, come sit on our porch. Just remember to bring your chair. Piper's Haven at 3916 West Congress between Adrian's and Gilbo Road. Welcome back to Implicit Bias. I'm Kevon Bordelon. The magic has already started to happen here in the podcast lair, somewhere hidden off of Jefferson Street, better known as Better Boot Productions, with Sam Stokes sitting in the corner. Sam, how you feeling this week? I'm doing well, Kevon. Uh, you introduced me to my first, uh, what is this called? This is a port barrel finish. It is a Black Ridge Special Reserve port barrel finish. Now, Black Ridge bourbon was a gold medal winning bourbon. This obviously is the port barrel finish, meaning it's been aged in oak, and then they put it into port wine barrels to infuse some of the taste. This is a new one here, which fits some of our implicit biases, <laughs> but I don't know that it fits all of them. And you know what? That's okay. That laugh, of course, is the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Caleb Morris, the rustic renegade. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. Successful hunting trip, we understand, yes, over the weekend. Yeah, you know, uh, um, I'm all about getting good trophies and everything else, but I'm also about filling the freezer. So I've got, I've got plenty of meat now in the freezer. I'm learning how to process on my own because I, I think that that's something that would be very interesting, intriguing, and it's a skill that I think that I should have. And the man who self-proclaims himself as a completely opposite human being, we're going to welcome in Scott Smith. Scott, how are you tonight? I'm fine. Thank you for asking. So for those who don't know, we do record on a Thursday, and you're obviously listening to us either via podcast on Apple Podcast, Google, Spotify Podcast, any of those, or you're catching us live broadcast of the recording on News Talk 96.5 KPEL Saturday morning. So we are sampling our weekly whiskey. As I said, the Black Ridge Port Barrel Finish. So Scott... Your thoughts on this right off the bat. I love the color of this one. It almost gives you that dark kind of port color to the whiskey. But your thoughts on the taste here, and do you like it? Do you not like it? It, it doesn't matter here. It's all what you like. I like whiskey more within the context of country music. Okay. Um, I like it more within the context of the emotion and the feeling, which we will talk about today. Absolutely. Uh, the emotion and the feeling. And you know, One of my favorite country songs is um, You Ain't Worth the Whiskey. <laughs> and and that reflects um, both positive and negative aspects of my past. 
And so I like whiskey within the context or within the framework of how I'm feeling, how others are feeling in past circumstances. Okay. All right. Deep, deep thoughts with T. Scott Smith. <laughs> awesome. They, they could get deeper. So. And, and you know what? That is absolutely what we're here for. As we say, we try to solve the problems of the world in roughly 52 minutes, but we don't always succeed, right? We're going to give it a shot. Mr. Morris, the Rustic Renegade, your thoughts on this one? And we got a little hint of that just a few seconds ago. So uh, let me preface this, but I'm not a really big fan of ports, right? Um, I, I don't like sweet in my drinks, uh, nor do I like it to, accomplish, to like pair it with my foods. But that being said, I have tried many ports because there's always a chance you'll like one. Uh, the flavor on this... We'll start off, it's, it's nice, thin, rolls onto the mouth, starts off really well. Then you get that, that sweetness. I get a, a hint of almond in there. Um, personally, not a fan. I, 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 I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to drink the glass. <laughs> but I doubt I'll have a second. The, the coloring is real good on this. I think that this would be, if I had eaten already or something like that, mm-hmm. had a good hearty meal, this would probably pair well after the meal. Um, chances are somebody who's normally used to, to mixing their, their whiskeys, like a little Jack and Coke, that kind of stuff. And they're thinking about trying to neat. This would probably be a good little jumper. So fair. So funny part is I actually love port. Really? Now I love port from this perspective though. It is dessert. Okay. Right. So if I'm going to have a really nice meal, we're going to have some whiskey cocktails before we're going to do wine with the meal at the end of the night, small little glass of port for dessert. I find that difficult to turn down, especially a good port. This gives you almost that sweet to the whiskey that you get from the port. Obviously, not as much sugar. Right. But you start to get that hint of flavor that kind of brings you back to that that port thought and feeling, obviously, as you would expect. The almond, I absolutely get. I get deep caramel with this. Um, I'm getting what I like about this is I get no cinnamon. You get almost no spice on the back end. It's a very smooth, light finish to me. There's no burn with it. This is one that I could sit there, uh, sit down with the wife, pour over a single ice beer, and she and I would both enjoy it. So, Scott, we had a great conversation about almond <laughs> and how that factored into this. It may end up in bonus content if you're looking for us on the podcast. Your thoughts on this one, and then let's also get your thoughts on almonds and apparently almond milk. Okay. Um <laughs> Um, almonds probably similar to this broadcast is probably gonna be a little nutty, you know, know, something that I do enjoy about this whiskey is like with most things in life, I want things to be pleasant. Uh, this is a very pleasant whiskey. Uh, I usually don't drink whiskey that often. Um, definitely not on a, um, a school night. Um, (laughs) but, uh, when I'm drinking this whiskey, it's, it's relatively simple. It's relatively common. It's relatively pleasant, and it has um, a almond fruity. It's not sweet. It's sort of like a um, a nice honey touch, as opposed to honey's a good one. A yes. um, a blast of sugar, absolutely. And then yeah. this is a whiskey in which I would probably drink, you know, half a glass and and be pleasant, as opposed to drinking <laughs> half a glass and 
and be rude. So that's, that's the kind. Well, we, we certainly would hope you're going to be pleasant here. If, look, if you want to be rude, this is implicit bias. You know, that's up to you. Sam, your thoughts on this one now that you've had a chance to sample a little bit more? As long as you're not giving us the finger over in the corner, we're good. I like, I like what Scott said about honey because whenever I, I'm tasting it, it feels a little bit thicker than most of the whiskeys. A little more viscous, yes, as, more as the Russian renegade would say. Yeah, somewhere Renee's <laughs> smiling here in viscous. Yes, uh, he is. <laughs> yeah, it, it feels a little bit more viscous on the tongue, and it feels a lot. It feels more hearty than uh, most of the whiskeys that we normally drink. It, it does seem to have a little more depth to it, uh, but I think that's probably the nature of the port barrel yeah, finish on yeah. it. Absolutely. And, and I'll Actually, be honest, I think engineers would say it has good viscosity. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> So let's go back to that whole almond thing because, Scott, you mentioned almonds and you were talking about – somebody mentioned the word almond milk, and you gave us some great thoughts around milk. <laughs> um, well, almond is like uh, cheating, you know, on the real cow. Um, it's just not natural. But, I mean, this is uh, seems to be a very natural whiskey, and it seems to have a, like a natural taste. Oftentimes you'll drink, you know, whiskey or – I mean – like something that always made me upset was when they would put stuff in Diet Coke. I um, I like Diet Coke when they put orange and lime and lemon. That's just like cheating on somebody. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. But like with this whiskey, it seems to have a good natural flavor, and it has to have uh, – it has a natural flavor, an almond, honey, and context as opposed to sort of giving people what they don't want. And I feel with this whiskey, they've, they've given – They've given me what I want. It's a very nice taste and texture and viscosity, as we said earlier. And this is one you can find in Lafayette, Black Ridge Special Reserve Port Barrel Finish. Uh, you can also find the regular Black Ridge Bourbon, which is, as I said, a gold medal winning brand. We are not going to cheat on the real cow here. We started talking about assessment, self-assessment, being able to understand not just what makes you happy when you look in the mirror, but also understand maybe what we need to avoid. And Scott, let's give the, the those listening to the show an introduction to you being a new guest on the show. Let's start here. You have how many PhDs? I just have one PhD, okay. two master's degrees. Well, that's right. that's what it is. One and PhD. Just a casual two master's yeah, degrees. Yeah, casual yeah. two master's degrees, one PhD. Your PhD, if I remember correctly, is in educational psychology, correct? That's correct. From Texas A&M. So, well, we won't hold that against you. <laughs> Being well, just wait a second. I got one master's from University of Alabama, too. Uh, okay, so, well, well now see, maybe we will. <laughs> you kind of spread across the South is what happened. There we go. Yeah. And then I got my undergraduate from LSU. Yeah. So, okay, there so we I go. stayed within the SEC. You, you just need to get Mississippi down now. I think we can skip Mississippi, and that's probably in more than just education, right? So, <laughs> But also, I probably wasn't smart enough for Vanderbilt, so I'll stay in the context. You know what? I've spent time with you, Scott, and I would argue that you were probably absolutely smart enough for Vanderbilt because what you do is really a lot about assessment. You deal with not just self-assessment, but you deal with assessing those who need help sometimes assessing themselves, correct? Correct. That's correct. So tell us a little bit about what you do and how you see people improve, do well in life, how their lives pan out based upon those assessments. Essentially, my background is um, very diverse. Um, uh, from a personal standpoint, I'm a, I'm a head injury survivor, and uh, I survived actually two head injuries and went through rehabilitation. And as part of my education, um, I went to the University of Alabama, 
obtained a master's degree in uh, rehabilitation counseling, uh, worked in the field for a long time, and then I had the opportunity to go to graduate school. And then I got you know, another, you know, master's in educational psych and then a PhD in educational psych. And essentially combining the fields of psychology and rehabilitation counseling, what I do is work with kids and adults and also individuals in prison and individuals in very difficult components of the life in which you're trying to make adjustments and positive adjustments. In other words, you take an individual that has a uh, criminal background, they're wanting to return to the workforce, someone has a head injury, and they're trying to modify the work status, or, you know, most individuals I work with are, are high school students. Um, high school students with, with disabilities may range from, you know, autism to learning disabilities to emotional disturbance, and they're wanting to go to college. But what I do is work within the school system and also in the state systems to assist not only the kids, the young adults, the school system, and also the parents and also the college systems in order to incorporate these individuals into um, not only college, but also the workplace. So college, let's, let's put this out there. Our implicit bias, college isn't necessarily for everybody. Absolutely not. We live in a great country where if you want to go to college, you can borrow money and you can. Doesn't mean that's a smart decision. And in reality, you don't have to have a college degree to be successful in your life. Some people do, some don't. But it's amazing how we find our ways, right? I think we do have, you know, I know the name of this show is Implicit Bias, but I think a lot of people have a bias towards in order to be successful, you have to obtain a college degree. That's one of the biggest misnomers out there. In order to be successful, you have to understand the labor market. In other words, how can your set of skills be matched with what the market needs? And that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to learn that in college. It can be completely somewhere else. Yeah. The rustic renegade is just ready to jump on. I'm trying this to. Ju- I'm trying to just sit here and soak it in too. You know. Um. You know. I tried my hand at college. Uh, I'm very, very close to to graduating, and I just choose not to go back. I have a master's degree. I'll sell you real cheap. <laughs> <laughs> you know. And uh, you know, I went on. I went on the GI Bill. Um. You know. And, and uh, Uncle Sam paid for my college. I, I earned it, and I paid for my college. And I, I went for a field that. Now, it would just be a piece of paper to me. I no longer have the physical capabilities to continue the field that I, I wanted to get my, my degree in. And it still intrigues me. Um, but it honestly has no real purpose outside of a very narrow scope of life. Uh, practical application has a big hand in it. But you know, there's always a balance, a yin and a yang, right? Uh, the practical application versus the educational side of it versus the book smarts of it uh, versus the back end of it, and so you, you know, on the business side, taxes, payroll, so forth, and that kind of stuff. And you can get a good education from that, but you still have to have that foundation. You still have to have something there. And as I've gotten older, I have a you know a hunger for education. I want to learn, want to read, want to better myself because I see faults in myself through my different self self assessments. I've done a few of the the emotional ones, um, quite a few of them, uh, where you get scores like one, four, and that kind of stuff. I find that they're very, very good. Uh, and I, I like to talk to a lot of psychologists, psychiatrists, and so forth. And I'm like, look, man, do me. Do me. <laughs> you know, tell me what you can figure out. Tell me what you, can, what you see and how do I make it better. Because, uh, I mean, to me, that's what's key is regardless of if I go to school or not, I want to be better. So as we talk about – I mean, because this is a deep rabbit hole. 
right? There's the personal side of our desire to learn, our desire to be educated, the continued just yearning for learning. And wow, that sounded corny, but okay. <laughs> there's, there's that individual growth and development side of it. Then there's also, to your point, Caleb, there's also the fundamental dollars and cents of what am I going to get out of the investment that an education is now today? I'm going to give some transparency here. Um, degree in five years, majored in communications, emphasis in broadcast journalism. I utilize that degree today for essentially the hobby that you are listening to now. Outside of that, I invested five years of college living on my own, spending money, borrowing money for my first job to sign up at $17,500 a year with a whopping $1,000 raise after 90 days to make $18,500 a year as a television news reporter. That's good, buddy. At seventeen five, you were making more money than I was at my first job with a degree in psychology. <laughs> so we're, we're going to talk about how this all pans out. We're going to keep going down that rabbit hole and maybe help you avoid that. <laughs> maybe help your kids avoid that when we come back. More implicit bias right here at News Talk 96.5 KPL. Hello. My name is Rene Girard. I'm a Cadiana certified master tobacconist. Piper's Haven is at 3916 West Congress Street. We are located between Adrian's and Gilbo Road. And we have thousands of cigars in our 553 square foot humidor. Everything you need to go with your cigars can be found at Piper's Haven at 3916 West Congress Street, including cigar cutters, humidors, lighters, pipes, pipe tobacco, meerschaum pipes, briar pipes, pipe tools, pipe stands, pocket knives and hunting knives, and we also provide knife sharpening. We also have a complete selection of Lamberger lamps and scents for that woman that's tired of the smell of cigar smoke. Just buy her something nice, and she will appreciate it a lot more. If you need a place to relax and smoke a cigar, come sit on our porch. Just remember to bring your chair. Piper's Haven at 3916 West Congress between Adrian's and Gilbo Road. William S. Nicole Jewelry has been serving the Acadiana area for over 40 years now. Loose diamonds, engagement rings, wedding sets, the most extensive in-store selection Acadiana has to offer. Waterford Crystal, Swarovski Crystal, and a complete Pandora Jewelry Shop and Shop right on the showroom floor. In-house jewelry repairs and a friendly, knowledgeable staff to assist you. When you want bigger, better diamonds for less, when you want quality merchandise at affordable prices, shop local. Shop William S. Nicole Jewelry, 3802 Johnson Street, Lafayette. The Rustic Renegade is now open on I-49 North in Lafayette. This one-of-a-kind men's boutique features the best brands of firearms alongside rustic furniture and artwork. Head now to the Rustic Renegade located at 2842 Northeast Evangeline Thruway near Pont de Mouton. While you're there, try some Black Rifle coffee and chat with the expert himself, Caleb Morse. The Rustic Renegade also has Damascus steel knives, hand-carved duck decoys, and much more. Find out more online now at therusticrenegade.com. Don't be afraid of your dentist. State-of-the-art comfortable and affordable dental care is just minutes away. Dr. Patrick Breesey practices sedation dentistry while providing services including dental implants and cosmetic makeovers. His brand new office in Rain houses the latest in dental technology so you can have the most pleasant dental experience while receiving the best results. Visit his website at raindentist.com. That's R-A-Y-N-E-D-E-N-T-I-S-T dot com. 
Welcome back to Implicit Bias. It is a fascinating conversation you do not want to miss. Bonus content this week. Catch it on Apple iTunes Podcasts. Catch it on Google Podcasts. Catch us on Spotify Podcasts. The Implicit Bias crew, we are talking about the ability to self-assess, the ability to understand who you are, evaluate your strengths, your weaknesses, and then how that can help you potentially long-term. We have a new guest in the studio, Mr. T. Scott Smith, Ph.D. in educational psychology. We have the Rustic Renegade, as always. And, of course, in the corner, being the producer that he is, Sam Stokes of Better Boot Productions. We love Sam. I always mess with him, as does Caleb and, of course, anybody yeah, who comes in. Because Sam, Sam is the guy who keeps us on point, who keeps the conversation on track, and then who says, guys... If we actually start recording some of this, you can actually use it during the show. So so that's who and what Sam does, and it's why you should seek him out as well. So we started talking about self-assessment, how it helps, what we can do with it. Scott, you do something very unique. You provide a service for parents as they start looking at college for their children because the reality is college is an investment. There needs to be a return on that. It is not just... Yeah, it is not just an investment of time, of years of our lives. It is a financial investment that can come back and get us. In other words, we're going to take the Rustic Renegade statement. We're going to give him full credit for bringing it up first during the break. When you go to college, is the financial juice worth the squeeze? You can help people understand that. Let's put it in layman's terms. If I, Kavan, want to go to William and Mary, big Ivy League school, and get a degree in mythological creatures, spend a few hundred thousand on it, what do my prospects look like in the future? You can help determine all that. Well, you have to determine a combination. A return on investment is determined by both the school and also the major and also the market. All those have to come into play. Now, for a school like William and Mary... You have to look towards contacts. I mean, you may have a degree in mythological, you know, <laughs> mythological development creatures. or mythological. I made that up. It's mytholo- a mythological degree that I made up of you mythological creatures. You may have a degree creatures. in mythological whiskey, <laughs> yeah. but recognize if there are contacts within the community that can give you access, it may be worth it at William & Mary, okay? Like, for example, you graduate from a state school with a degree in general business, it may be, may be difficult for you to obtain employment. However, if you graduate from an Ivy League school with a degree in general business, you're going to have probably a good opportunity, you know, so it's worth Fair. the investment, you know. But however, you know, most individuals within this community are either going to go to LSU, going to go to UL, go to Bezier Parish Community College. You have to look at not only the cost, but you have to look at what the major is going to be. You know, even at state schools, certain majors are not going to result in necessarily employment, but rather a graduation is going to represent not only student debt, but also lack of employment opportunity. You know, and that's when you have to start looking at return on investment. Is the market out there for your major? Is the community ready to accept what you, the skills you have, and then what is the return on the cost? As we think about a business investment, because that's ultimately what college is. Definitely. Oh, absolutely. I mean, 
oftentimes a mortgage and college represents the two largest expenses in someone's lifetime. I guess I never thought about it that way. Never thought that, yes, now today, so I'll date myself. When I went to college, tuition for a semester was all of, you know, $3,000 a semester. Today, a freshman attending LSU, room and board included, if you do not get any scholarships, Mm -hmm. is over $30,000 a year. That means your undergraduate degree is going to cost you essentially what a condominium would cost you, which you would typically finance for 30 years. And then all you have to show for it, depending on, on what the juice is, right, is a piece of paper. Because it's it's how do you measure the juice, right? Because let's say the degree or the juice is uh, in, in business, uh, and that's pomegranate. Well, in Louisiana, pomegranate doesn't do well, but in Washington, pomegranate does really well. So it's how do you measure it, where do you measure it, the quantity of the juice, and so forth. So finding that right degree for the right atmosphere and that return, I mean, that's, that's a big undertaking. And it's probably something that we should engage in more as we start to assess. You really need to, be, you really need to begin that discussion almost your senior year of high school. And oftentimes people will put more thought into selection of a cell phone than their college major. You know, um, you have to think that a college major represents what you're going to do the rest of your life. And most often, unfortunately, people do it in the haphazard fashion, you know, fashion. Um, in other words, if I don't want to do this, I'll change my major. If I don't want to do that, I'll change my major. But recognize each time you change your major, I mean, to put it bluntly, you're losing around five to $8,000 every time you change your major. Wow. With the addition of courses, with addition of time. I was time. going to say that you did. Like that's you're right, 100 percent. Right. So I mean, something you have to recognize is that you not only have to look towards your major, but also your skills. You know, like for example, um, I taught psychology at UL for 13 years, and one of the most successful students I had was not somebody that obtained their PhD, but rather someone that thought ahead. In other words, the student had a degree in psychology and had a minor in dance. What this person wanted to do was open up a dance studio, and she's she is doing probably better than all of us right now. <laughs> I'm sure she she's is. She's doing very well. You know, sure she is. have you ever seen dance moms and the money they will spend? They you will know. spend a lot. You know, <laughs> when she has a, she has the degree, they also you know realize who she's working with and and kind of dig in there a little bit and use their weaknesses against them. You know, Absolutely. like like my oldest, I was telling you before, he talked about he didn't want to go to school. And uh, we, we discussed it, and he, he's very in, interested and intrigued in computers and electronics and, and coding and all that. So I was like, look, if you want it, I'll buy you books and programs to learn how to code. And whenever I, I talked to him and realized, and he realized what he was talking about, he's like, I don't, I don't want to do that. So that's when he said he didn't want to go to college. And then we started talking. I was like, just think about what you want to do, where you want to go. And like a week later, he goes, well, Dad, I think I want, to, I want a degree in business, business management. Why? Because, well, you have a company. You have you really good at these certain things. You lack in these certain things, and he pointed out things that I know I lack in. And he goes, and a degree in business would help me work with our company to build it up and to pick up what you don't do well in. And he goes, in worst case scenario, if you sell it or you move on, that degree translates well to every other business and, and thing that's out there. I want to disagree with you a little bit. Okay. Okay. I mean, something to recognize is that a lot of degrees have value but they have value in the context of skills. Mm -hmm. Like for example, um, 
a degree in informatics or business is very much enhanced by a knowledge of nursing, a knowledge of petroleum engineering, and a knowledge of health information systems, um, a knowledge of accounting. Oftentimes, people can learn the business aspect. Um, and there's a lot of individuals, like I'll give you an example. Another smart student I had was somebody that had a dual degree in both nursing and business management. And what they wanted to do is to basically own, operate a nurse um, recruitment facility after graduation. Now, somebody with just a degree in business would have not have the nursing background. Mm-hmm. Um, but like your son's interested in computers, I mean, something I would encourage him to do is to get a knowledge of computers. Now, recognize even with computers, you know, you have three components. You have computer science, mm-hmm. you have computer networking, and you have software development, you know. To supplement one of those three areas with the, with the knowledge in business because people make the assumption that just everyday knowledge will get you into the field. Everybody has everyday knowledge. Right. And so what you need to do is you need to obtain some advanced, some best of the business knowledge and information in the field, and then supplement it with basic skills like HR, with accounting, with management of individuals, and that will create an opportunity as opposed to just a degree in business. So let's put that in context about some of the people that maybe names you will know. A guy like Elon Musk. Elon Musk is a generational intellect, not just from the perspective of his understanding of electrical engineering and aerospace engineering and things of that nature, but also to your point of his understanding of business management, business systems, and how those things fit together. It's not just about the specialization in one area. It's about the specialization of an area complemented by the knowledge of another. So understanding this is what I'm very good at. This is where I'm weak. Putting those together, though, that can be the secret sauce. Is that essentially what you're saying? Well, it's like, you know, our esteemed guest here, you know, you have to have a knowledge of guns. If I have the knowledge of accounting. You have to have a knowledge knowledge of of just being a man to be a domestic renegade, right? (laughs) And and you have to have a knowledge of business, but also you have to have a knowledge of, this this goes very simple, of how to be nice and how to respect people. Um, One of the biggest mistakes a lot of people make is losing a sense of those soft skills. In other words, losing a sense of being nice, losing an understanding of how to shake a hand, understanding how to speak to somebody when they're upset. You know, you may have a knowledge of guns, you may have a knowledge of business, but if you're a jerk and you don't have those customer service skills, people are not going to come back to your business. People are not going to hire you. Unfortunately, you have a lot of individuals that graduate that they have excellent skills in an academic area. But they don't have the personal skills. They don't have the soft mm-hmm. skills. And you have to have those in the day's world. Well, and we're losing those, to your point, in today's world. We're losing that interpersonal communication where we understand the ability to empathize with someone else in order to do something. And this is a, a leadership axiom of implicit bias. Leaders do things with people, not to people. And the ability to empathize, to shake that hand, to say, look, I'm here with you. Let's work through this together, as opposed to. I'm a jerk, but you know what? I'm still right. That is going to limit you eventually. The ability for that 
empathy, that customer service that we've talked about and what will be some of the bonus content, I'm sure, which you can find on, what, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all those places, Spotify Podcasts. Sam's taking care of that before he gives me the finger. Those are the things, and that is the one-minute finger for those that are uninitiated, not the finger that you're thinking about, although he does probably give me that one quite frequently. Those are the things that, that we need to put together and match in the equation to get the answer we want. And one of the smartest, one of the additional smart people I knew, she was, uh, she since passed away, but she was a school principal. I was talking to her casually. I said, do you, do you miss teaching? She's like, wait a second. I'm still a teacher, but I'm doing it on a different level. Now, she did not view her position as, as a principal as strictly being a jerk or strictly as being in charge of everybody, but as an extension of her job as a teacher. And and I thought that was very prolific. So, and, and it is. There's a, a military principle that all great leaders are actually, at some point, a teacher and are yes. always a teacher, correct? Yes. You know, and it's, you have to be a teacher, you have to be a father, to be a soldier, and, and you'll hear a lot of things, they'll say mission first, right? Mission first, mission first. Well, a good leader will say mission first, soldiers always. And it's understanding that the, the people are the main commodity. Absolutely. You know, and, and a lot of people lose sight of that and they become focus driven on just success, whatever defines that success. And they leave behind those that have, have brought them so far. We are going to talk more about commodities right here on Implicit Bias because there is a story that has kind of jumped out as we start to think about the common man, the common people and how they got together and um, essentially threw a major wrench into the gears of the establishment that have been out there. More you, of a sledgehammer. Yeah, yeah, more of a sledgehammer. And and it is somewhat of a beautiful sledgehammer because it really is the opportunity for you, me, everybody just like us to jump in to the titans of industry, to jump into their pool and realize that the ripple we create, it goes all the way to the edge of the pool, and at times it might just push them out. We'll have more of that discussion. We'll explain the story when we come back. Right here on Implicit Bias, News Talk 96.5 KPL. It's finally fall in Acadiana, and you've got to get over to La Pizzeria Lafayette. The new fall menu includes a grilled pork ribeye, my personal favorite. The artichoke pesto salad, baked apple brie, and the grilled wedge is back. Pair it with chicken, shrimp, or salmon for a fresh and flavorful meal. Don't forget the best pizza in all of Acadiana and your Italian favorites at La Pizzeria Lafayette. Available for dine-in and convenient takeout. Ambassador Caffrey at Robley and online at eatlapizzeria.com. Hello, my name is Rene Gerard. I'm Acadiana's certified master tobacconist. Piper's Haven is at 3916 West Congress Street. We are located between Adrian's and Gilbo Road, and we have thousands of cigars in our 553 square foot humidor. Everything you need to go with your cigars can be found at Piper's Haven at 3916 West Congress Street, including cigar cutters, humidors, lighters, pipes, Pipe tobacco, meerschaum pipes, briar pipes, pipe tools, pipe stands, pocket knives, and hunting knives. And we also provide knife sharpening. We also have a complete selection of Lamberger lamps and scents. For that woman that's tired of the smell of cigar smoke, just buy her something nice and she will appreciate it a lot more. If you need a place to relax and smoke a cigar, come sit on our porch. Just remember to bring your chair. 
Piper's Haven at 3916 West Congress between Adrian's and Gilbo Road. Welcome back to Implicit Bias. I'm Kevon Bordelon, joined on this episode by, of course, the Rustic Renegade, by T. Scott Smith, Ph.D. in Educational Psychology. And we have had just a phenomenal conversation here as we attempt to solve the problems of the world. We've probably got, oh, about uh, 37 minutes or so, which we're going to finish out with to make our 52 minutes of solving the problems of the world. And, of course, in the corner is Sam Stokes, owner of Better Boot Productions. He is the podcast layer master, so we do try to listen to what Sam says. Bachelor of Mass Communications. Hey, then you and I have a bachelor's degree (laughs) in the same place, Sam. I appreciate you chiming in there. And here we are. Here we are, yeah, both uh, doing this on a Thursday night recording, which will air on a Saturday, so people are listening in. There is a fascinating story that came out this week as we emerge from political turmoil with regards to where our country is today and we wonder about how you me the common man woman however we identify decides to fight back that people have united and this week they fought back and they fought back with of all things GameStop. (laughs) GameStop. The place that will only allow five people in the entire store. Five people. That's all they'll let in at a time right now. GameStop. GameStop's stock was over $340 a share as of this recording. I think the peak that it had within the past three days was like 547. Uh, when it first opened, what, two weeks ago, uh, $36? $36. Yep. So let's walk through what ha- happened with GameStop or GameStop stock. I always mess that up. GameStop stock. So a bunch of hedge fund managers shorted GameStop. In other words, they sold a bunch of shares of stock that they didn't have at 36 to yep. $40, anticipating that GameStop was about to go out of business. They yep. knew GameStop was in trouble. Well, their plan was to sell at 36 to 40 and buy at a dollar to $2 a share. Mm-hmm. In other words, if they bought 1,000 shares at $36, they'd spent, or they'd sold, rather, $36,000 worth of stock. If they then buy that same 1,000 shares a couple days later at a dollar, they only spent $1,000 to sell $36,000 worth of stock. Sounds like a great plan. And happens. Contrary to, to what a lot of people might think, perfectly legal to bet on the failure of a company on the stock market. Very common. Very common. And then... Some people on Reddit got a hold of this information and figured out what was happening. And they created a buzz, a viral discussion around buying GameStop stock. And instead of GameStop going down in value, GameStop went way, way, way up. The long and short of it is this. The people who bought GameStop stock at roughly $36 a share 
are now down over a billion dollars because the value of the stock has skyrocketed and they had to buy those shares instead of at a dollar a share, they're having to buy at 500, 300, $400 a share. And they got caught. The common man kind of fought back here. And this is one that I revel in this and not that I want anybody to hurt financially. However, it's about time that people like you and me and everybody listening plays the game the same way those who are worth tens of hundreds of millions or of billions of dollars have been essentially fixing the game for the last 10 to 15 years. So we're going to open it up to the panel. Your thoughts on this. When I saw this story in Senate, I said, we have to talk about this because this one, this one's going to hurt some people for a long time. And some companies that people are going to say, oh, they're too big to fail. Well, they just need to fail now because they bet and they lost. Well, they're going to feel that sting for, for a long time. That hurts the pocketbook. It hurts revenue. hurts other employees. You know, there's a lot that's going to feel this across more than just our nation. But uh, it brings to mind, you ever seen the movie Limitless? So there's I a, have seen Limitless. You know, in there, uh, he talks about, he finds, it's where you take a pill and it helps unlock, it's all kinds of stuff. But uh, what he finds is that the stock market plays more off of uh, the rumor mill than it does of what's actually you know, profitable or so forth. More feels versus facts. Yes, feels versus facts. And that's how a lot of business is done, regardless be it stock market or, or anything else. You know, um, that's why we still have lunches with people. That's why the things such as like in our industry, SHOT Show and all that, you're not going out there because there's a show special. You can buy a show special over the phone. You're going out there to solidify relationships. And that's what that's what makes business happen is those relationships, right? Who has my back? Who doesn't have my back? Who's going to be loyal? And who's just waiting to turn? And I think what we're seeing here is a lot of people tried to force a turn and weren't prepared for the outcome. When we talk about self-assessment, this is one that you had to be ready for. This is one that you, if you were a hedge fund manager who said, I'm going to short this stock, you have to understand the risk that comes with the potential reward. And to date, there was actually an article as of recording Thursday night, what, the 28th of January, that there are more than $70 billion in losses in shorted stock in 2021 already. Incredibly interesting when we start to think about what financial systems look like, how they impact you, me, and everybody. But brings me back to, okay, so... How do we insulate ourselves against this? And it's by understanding the people that we do business with, not just rolling the dice, thinking we can control the markets. Scott, you want to chime in? Something we have to recognize is that people, I mean, earlier in the discussion, we were talking about responsibilities for activities and behaviors, you know. Um, In my opinion, it's almost like getting married, you know. In other words, Oftentimes, people will accept their spouses for who they are. They want to go forward. They're willing to grow with their spouse. But however, some individuals will get married, whether or not it's a husband or a wife, for potentially what their wife may become. And then what happens is the wife is not, or their husband is not who they become, and all of a sudden, they get mad. They get frustrated, and they have to suffer the consequences. 
essentially in this situation, what is happening is somebody is making a hedge bet on what may or may not happen. They're not even being honest with themselves, but they're not being honest with the market. And likewise, they're suffering the repercussions. And then it's not just a situation between husband and wife, but rather it's the whole global economy. Essentially, what is happening is people are hedging on bad marriages. Mm -hmm. And as bad marriages are negative, the same thing is happening in this situation. Here's the only problem with the analogy, because I absolutely agree with you. If I have a bad marriage, I don't have a safety net. If I engage in that relationship and it's bad, I don't have somebody there to tell me, okay, we're going to stop the other person from doing something wrong to you. Because what we actually saw in this story was we saw the stock market say, oh, we're going to stop people from buying. The reason GameStop stock came down from 500 was because the stock market said, oh, this can't happen. No, this can happen. This should happen. This needs to happen. Even companies like Robinhood who help small investors get into the market, they started selling people stock without their permission because they said, oh, it's best for you. No. But recognize this is not not the first time this has happened. Oh, no, not even close. I mean, people thought like places like Sally Mae were were too big to fail, you know. Um, We made them too big to fail because we bailed them out. Maybe we shouldn't have. I don't, I don't believe anything is too big to too big to fail. Uh, without the risk of failure, what's the risk, right? And and I use some of these. I, I use Robinhood and all that, and I got the the alerts with saying that they were going to limit what was done. I'm like, man, that's not your money. That's not theirs. And and why do we allow that to happen? You know, are we comfortable enough? Or we're like, yeah, you know, they have our best interests. Well, no one has your interests at heart but you, regardless of who they are, right? The good Lord has his best interests at heart. His will, not ours. Right. So your will and what you want done is in your own interest. So you are the one that should be in control of that. Now, I don't know uh, all the trusts. I don't know the different things in the stock market. And I'm very, very small and all that. Uh, but I still don't want people eating my Cheerios. <laughs> and what I'm going to say is this, just in case you haven't figured this out by now, if you regularly listen to the show... If you try to eat the Rustic Renegades Cheerios, <laughs> heaven help you. <laughs> heaven help you. Sam, so you've been following this as well. Oh, yeah. You maybe have a little bit, maybe you have a different perspective, maybe you don't. Your thoughts? Uh, I actually bought a little bit of AMC. Uh, there so, you go, which, oh, was, one, which yeah. was another stock which was shorted by the hedge fund manager. So congratulations to you. You yeah, maybe so made a little money. A little bit of, uh, no, not, not, I haven't because like you said, some of the exchanges, specifically Robinhood, limited all these stocks that were uh, seeing a lot of volatility. And that's something that is being re- reviewed right now by Congress and, and people are demanding answers because one of the things that's, things that's been alleged is that one of the major um, uh some of the major money behind Robinhood, the yeah. app, is one of these hedge funds that had a major short position in some of these stocks. So there's of a course. major conflict of interest there. Imagine if you follow the money, who you would find. Yeah, yeah. It's very – and one of the things people are saying is let's follow the money from these hedge funds over the next couple of months because they're going to be facing – they're going to be called before Congress because this is a, a crazy thing. In America and the stock market, the representation of free market in the world, 
uh, to have a situation where individuals cannot participate in that free market because a major hedge fund, the elite money backers of the world, essentially, are saying we're losing money. You guys can't participate anymore. That's insane. So so let's let's put all together kind of what we've tapped into here in this discussion. Scott made a great point. If you think this is the first time this has happened, you're probably naive. And I would agree with him. Sam makes the point that the big money that controls everything is controlling everything. So if this has happened before and the money's controlled, what are the odds that the stock market has been on the up and up for the last 10, 15, 20 years? One of the best movies that's been made about the stock market and one of the most entertaining movies was The Big Short. I'm sure a lot of you guys saw that. And uh, you, you, it's, you can watch The Big Short and be entertained, but to really understand it, you have to know a lot about the stock market because they use a lot of um, esoteric terms and stuff like that. Uh, but towards the end of the movie, whenever everybody realized that the stock market was crashing and what was happening and everything, one of the things that happened was all the major financial institutions were essentially lying to their clients and pretending like everything was fine so that they could get out. They could protect themselves and pass all the pain to uh, essentially America, essentially their their clients. Us. Yeah, essentially you, us. Me, yeah. everybody at this table, everybody listening, everybody. So I got, yes. I got lost when you brought up the big shark because I thought you were going to say the like pretty woman. <laughs> <laughs> that is Caleb's type of movie. Yeah, what, what are the- <laughs> One of the things at the end of the big short was they said, you know, after everything happened and they explained, you know, and we all experienced 2008 and all the pain that that caused for so many people, uh, they said, and then everybody went to jail. No, Mm-mm. nobody no. went to jail. No, no, they didn't. I was about to say, and even Enron, when you look at the prosecutions that went on with Enron, where you know you had big problems with regards to reporting and honesty, a lot of those people ended up walking anyway. And that is what brings us to kind of where we land with this episode of implicit bias. I think Scott actually hit it on the head, which is when we start to think about where we are, when we start to think about the assessment of who we are, or even the assessment of the stock market where it is, what we ultimately need is honesty in order to make the right decisions. And honesty may be the most difficult thing to come by, but not just by other people. It's honesty from ourselves. Who we are, what we are, where we place our trust, where we invest our time, talents, and treasures, and the faith that we have. That honesty, that implicit bias is what can make someone great or can potentially break an entire life. We hope to bring you more of that honesty on implicit bias. Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify Podcast. Catch us right here next Saturday. On News Talk 96.5 Cable. Hello, my name is Rene Girard. I'm Acadiana Certified Master Tobacconist. Piper's Haven is at 3916 West Congress Street. We are located between Adrian's and Gilbo Road. And we have thousands of cigars in our 553 square foot humidor. Everything you need to go with your cigars can be found at Piper's Haven at 3916 West Congress Street including cigar cutters, humidors, lighters, pipes, pipe tobacco, meerschaum pipes, briar pipes, pipe tools, pipe stands, pocket knives, and hunting knives, and we also provide knife sharpening. 
We also have a complete selection of Lamberger lamps and scents for that woman that's tired of the smell of cigar smoke. Just buy her something nice and she will appreciate it a lot more. If you need a place to relax and smoke a cigar, come sit on our porch. Just remember to bring your chair. Piper's Haven at 3916 West Congress between Adrian's and Gilbo Road. News Talk 96.5 KPL. News Talk 96.5 KPEL. Brobridge, Lafayette. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome to Safe Money and Income Radio with your host, Randy Hux. Randy is a former licensed certified public accountant and a licensed life insurance professional in the state of Louisiana. And he specializes in working with people who are looking for safe investments or those who are nearing retirement or already in retirement with wealth management, income planning, and asset protection strategies. And now, here to talk with you about no market risk retirement planning, your host, Randy Hux. Welcome to Safe Money and Income Radio. I am Randy Hux, owner of Hux Safe Money Solutions, an asset and retirement protection company right here in Lafayette. Making home affordable, a free government resource that can make paying the mortgage easier. And now even more options are available. Call 888-995-HOPE today. That's 888-995-HOPE or visit makinghomeaffordable.gov. Good night, Mama. This is why. Brought to you by the U.S. Treasury, HUD, and the Ad Council. Get the free KPL News app in the App Store and Google Play. News Talk 96.5 KPEL. Brobridge, Lafayette. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.